Hello and welcome to the second instalment of the Lancet UK Election podcast. I'm Richard Lane. In this podcast, we're going to find out more about the health policies of the Green Party. They may be small, they currently only have one member of parliament, but if there is no party with an overall majority on May the 7th, the Green Party could have an influential role in politics, including health policy. So let's now hear from the health spokesperson of the Green Party introducing herself. I'm Dr Gillian Creasy. I'm a city councillor. I'm a former general practitioner. I've been a GP for 25 years and I'm also standing in the general election for Sheffield Central. I would preface any remarks I make about what we say about health and the NHS in with saying that the Green Party sees health as running through all its policies. So we think that, you know, the determinants of ill health are the way society is at the moment and the worst thing about it is very very bad inequalities so people living in poverty and in a very competitive society suffer in all sorts of ways and then played out in more practical things like poor housing or no housing at all or um, the fact that we've got very poor public transport so we've got terrible air quality and people who are stuck not able to get around as they would like and so on and so on so I think it's just really important to say that you know we see health in that context. Tell us where you're on the specifics of NHS policy at the moment. Okay well the the sort of biggest thing that we're working on at the moment is the NHS reinstatement bill so you might be aware that our MP Caroline Lucas has put that as a private members bill to parliament and it's something I've looked at pretty closely and I do feel it it sort of encapsulates what we want to say about the organisation of the NHS and really what the NHS reinstatement bill does is go much, much further than Labour is saying. Labour would say that they would reverse the 2012 Health and Social Care Act, which is fair enough, but we want to actually overturn the whole of the marketised, privatised system so that we go back to a truly publicly organised and delivered NHS. What's that going to mean in reality? Because, of course, the Green Party isn't going to be in government by itself. Obviously, you're fielding a few candidates. You have one MP at the moment. I guess you'd be hoping for a handful of MPs in May. What could that mean in terms of the Green Party helping shape the health political agenda after the election? As ever, the role of the Green Party at the moment is pushing the other parties and, you know, the party that we're nearest to on the spectrum is Labour. So there is, you know, a very possible scenario that Labour would form a minority government and that we would be amongst the group forming what we'd call a progressive alliance, sort of pushing the Labour government as far as we could towards an anti-austerity agenda, which picks up, you know, my first point about tackling austerity and inequalities. But specifically on the NHS, we would be pushing them to go beyond saying they want to withdraw the 2012 bill and saying you actually need to tackle the whole paraphernalia of an internal market, the purchaser-provider split, and to be looking at a system where that the health service is, is you know, firmly in, in, in the responsibility of the Secretary of State and then devolved down to local areas who had funding with which they would run their local services. And the shape of that, I think this NHS reinstatement bill is quite clever because it's it's saying, you know, we we, we can't face 
a big reorganisation, you know, that everything is in such turmoil in the NHS at the moment that people don't want a top-down reorganisation. What could happen is that the existing bodies, so things like CCGs and the health and wellbeing boards, the existing hospital trusts and so on, would come together in a local area and work out how they could work together to contribute to what would be called a health board, and that health board would be responsible for the services in its area and that that would happen over a period of three years with a cut-off point at the end of three years to say okay this is the point at which we now have we're back to a kind of organized planned health service rather than a free-for-all market health service. In the Lancet's own manifesto for health for the NHS specifically we've identified five priorities. The first priority in the Lancet manifesto for health is this much publicised critical problem to do with this interface between primary care and A&E. What are you saying about that? It's something that I know about, you know, very closely because I have worked in general practice and, you know, was there as a GP at the time. In fact, under a Labour government, GPs were stripped of their 24-hour responsibility. And I think that worked very well for a while while ever GPs, I mean, certainly here in Sheffield in a big city, and I think it happened elsewhere, that GPs grouped together and provided 24-hour care. I think that worked extremely well. We've seen 24-hour care from general practice, from primary care, really slide away over the last 10 years, and it's been politically driven. Is it something you would address or review at least? Well, I think it's very difficult to put the genie back in the bottle. Terribly sad, but I think the chances of going back to a system where people were firmly registered with one GP or a a group practice and went to them, you know, when something went wrong, that was the first port of call that they phoned their practice and get through either to the GP or to somebody working on their behalf. So that that, you know, the bulk of of kind of emergency care, certainly emergency medical care, going to a named GP, I think we've lost that really. So I think GPs, primary care does need to organise itself to offer an alternative to A&E because I don't think it's appropriate that people with medical problems, if you like, I say minor medical problems, those do need to be filtered through primary care because I think something that primary care has always done and does very well is to do that triaging and filtering and making appropriate referrals. And that would be much more efficient in terms of cost effectiveness, but also much more satisfactory for the patients and the staff than people turning up in A&E with problems which don't need the whole paraphernalia of a hospital to sort out. Clearly, the Green Party is going to be in favour of the much-talked-about integration of health and social care. What's your view on social care, its integration and most importantly, it's funding. We're absolutely in favour of that integration. What comes through in the Barker report is that that there's kind of wonderful diagrams where it shows how the amount of money that goes into social care is so small compared to the amount that goes into healthcare and is separated from it. And I think the most important thing is that, you know, as a nation, we say 
this is the amount of money we want to spend on health and social care and that the amount on social care goes up. I don't think that should be at the expense of health care, but the amount on social care should go up substantially. And the Green Party you know, has already announced its policy on that, that we would meet the Barker recommendation. So we'd be putting in another seven billion immediately and rising to nine billion through the course of the parliament. So we'd be providing that social care, free social care to elderly people. And how do you propose funding that? Well, I mean, that's part of the Green Party's overall funding packages that we're we're just saying very, very clearly that we would tax the wealthy individuals and corporations. So we would introduce a wealth tax, we would have a Robin Hood tax, and we would very actively go after tax evasion and avoidance. And we would also have a higher tax for people earning over 100k. We would draw in a lot of money through that and we would be spending that, yes, certainly on public services, but I mean, it's part of our wider economic policy, which is that we need to reinvest the wealth of the nation in to decent work for ordinary people. What do you think is going to happen on May the 7th? What do I think is going to happen on May the 7th? I don't think that any one party is going to have an overall majority. What happened with the previous situation is that the Tories and Lib Dems moved very, very quickly to produce a a binding coalition and we'd be much more in favour of a confidence and supply model where you actually talk about your individual issues and policies and say okay we'll support you on this but not on this and we'll review it in this length of time so that you, you kind of unfold the relationship in what I would consider to be you know, a much more open, mature way, really. And I, I think we need to kind of grasp that because, you know, what we have seen in this election, you know, the biggest thing that's coming through is that a lot of people are fed up with the traditional main parties and are looking to the smaller parties, UKIP and the Greens and so on. And we need to acknowledge that and find a way of working with that. Dr Gillian Creasy, many thanks indeed for putting across your health priorities for the Green Party. Thanks very much for talking to the Lancet Election podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure and a privilege to do so. And thank you all for listening. In next week's podcast, we hope to bring you the health policies of the UK Independence Party. See you then.